Thank you so much, family, uh, church family. I'm so, so excited, really honored to be here. Uh, I can't introduce myself any better than what Pastor Austin just did. So I won't try too much, but I will just tell you a little bit more about me. Uh, in case you don't know me, one of the biggest ways that I identify myself here, or myself, there's only one of me. The only way I identify myself here at the Sherman campus is that I'm Hollis's little brother. So, yeah, that's my claim to fame here. Uh, but other than that, I'm just thankful to be with family tonight, with church family. Uh, you know, Pastor Austin mentioned that I'm the campus pastor in our Boswell campus, and I was thinking about that as I was getting ready to share tonight that there's a comfort level of preaching with and to the people that you know, that you do life with together all the time, that you're always around. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm in a new place, new people, but already just being here, I've had so many conversations already about, hey, let's get into the word. We're ready to hear it. Let's, let's eat some good word tonight. And uh, I just, I feel, I feel such a spirit of home and connection right now. I know I'm with family. So thank you. Whatever you got going for you right now, you've got something. And I feel very at home and I appreciate that truly. Uh, so one other quick thing. My wife, Callie, is right here with me on the front row. Yes. Uh, pretty much any message that I preach is just as much hers as it is mine or God's or anybody, you know. Uh, so... Uh, thankful for her and we got our two kids with us and another one on the way right here coming up in July. So anyway, that's a little bit about me, enough about me. Let's pray and then get into God's word tonight. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you, God, for being present here with us right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've got something to say and we've got open ears, open hearts to hear what that is. I pray, Lord, that as we get into your word, that we wouldn't just be reading a story or hearing some nice talking points, but Holy Spirit, I pray that we would come away with, with revelation that could only come from you. And Lord, more than anything, we pray that you would be lifted up in this. Jesus, that you'd be lifted up, that you'd be glorified. And as you're lifted up, I thank you that you draw all people to yourself. So Lord, draw us to yourself tonight. As we get into the word here, we open up our hearts, our ears to hear you, and we ask simply that you would draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you have your Bibles tonight, I would ask you to go to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 11. I have quite simply a story that I want to share with y'all from the book of Numbers chapter 11. It's a story that honestly, so I'll just be real here. I'm a preacher by trade uh, and I'm going to talk about a story. A couple guys named Eldad and Medad. That's the best way I can say it. That's Eldad and Medad. And I'm telling you, I've been a preacher, but it was maybe last month. I feel like I heard their names in this story for the first time. Uh, I know everybody thinks that preachers just know every inch of the Bible and could call up stories from nowhere. I maybe never have heard of them. And if I have, 
it slipped my mind. So, but the Lord was really speaking to me as I came across this story lately. And I believe he has something that he wants to share to each and every one of us tonight. That's, that's for us. It's for you. Uh, through the story of Eldad and Medad that we're going to get into. But before we get into the story, uh, I want you to preach to somebody next to you just real quick. And I would be, I would ask you to say this with some conviction, with some gusto, with some sass, even if you can conjure that up. Uh, Just tell the person next to you or somebody around you, say, you can prophesy where you are. You, You need to prophesy where you are. You need to be prophesying where you are. That's ultimately where I'm going to go tonight. What I want to share tonight is that you, and when I say you, I mean you, whoever you are, you need to prophesy wherever you're at. That it doesn't need to be confined to just this church. It doesn't need to happen only on a certain time frame whenever you get your education degree or whenever you graduate to this level or you become this age or whenever your kids get out of the house. No, you need to prophesy where you're at. You need to prophesy where you are. I believe that I'll just go ahead and put the cards on the table. This is like the end of the message at the beginning. So you know where I'm going, okay? I believe that every single believer, every single one of us, we have things, we have spheres of influence that only we have. Every single person is created individually by God in his image in some peculiar way that there's, there are people, there are things that you can speak to that I can't, that nobody else can, that the person next to you can't, that God has asked you to do. He's asked you to be a prophet where you are. He's asked you to prophesy where you are. And if you are a follower of Jesus tonight, then he's put his spirit on the inside of you. And his spirit has something to say. His spirit has something that he wants to pour out. He wants to give to the people around you. And so don't wait for yourself to graduate. Prophesy where you are. So that's what Eldad and Medad have to say to us tonight from here in Numbers chapter 11. But before I get into the bulk of this story, I'm going to kind of set up where we're at in the story here. So in Numbers chapter 11, if you backed up to the beginning of this, the people of Israel have, they've left Mount Sinai, they've left Egypt, and they're kind of in the wilderness on the way to where they're going. They haven't reached the promised land yet, but they're on their way. And if you've read these stories before, something you know about the Israelites is that they like to complain. They're complainers. Come on now. Complainers. Do we have any other complainers in the house this evening? Yeah, I, I'm raising my own hand right now. Truly. Uh, Okay, so we find ourselves in good company. It's easy to criticize people in the Bible sometimes, but we are complainers by nature also, okay? Uh, So I can see myself in these Israelites, but they like to complain a lot. So what had been happening here, uh, as we're in Numbers 11, God has been providing for them uh, manna from heaven. Every day they wake up, it's there. He's provided for them along the way. And here's the level of complaining that they've reached. The Israelites start to complain. They say, oh man, this manna, it's so bland, it's so dull. I wish we could be back in Egypt where we at least could go to the market and buy fruits and vegetables or whatever sitting here acting like they want to go back to slavery. 
because the manna doesn't taste good enough. So that's the level of complaining that the Israelites have reached. And Moses has this really funny conversation with God. Maybe if you're a parent, uh, you've had a similar conversation here. But Moses says, God, if it's going to keep up like this, kill me now. It's in the Bible. You said you wanted some meat, right? The meat's here. In, in Numbers chapter 11, he gets very real with God. And he says, in so many words, that's my paraphrase. But he says, if it's going to be like this, if, if the people are going to continue like this, don't even, don't let me go any further. Just take my life right now because I can't handle this. I can't do it. So the Israelites are complaining to Moses. Then Moses is complaining to God. We're in a situation here. Uh, things are not looking good. So this is what the situation starts to look like. This is how the, the solution comes about. This is where we'll pick up here. Uh, Numbers uh, chapter 11 will be here in verse 16. Actually, I'll back up to 15 just so you have proof. This is Moses. He says, if you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. That's what Moses just says to God, okay? Because of the complaining that's going on. So verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I'll come down and I'll talk with you there and I will take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. So this solution that the Lord brings to Moses of this complaining, uh, this dark place that Moses is in, he says, okay, gather, you gather some people up. Gather some of these people who you know to be elders, bring them to the tent of meeting, to the, the church, you know, where, where I am, and I'm going to meet with you there. I'll come and talk with you. I'm going to take some of the spirit that you have on you. I'm going to put it on them so that you're not bearing all of this by yourself. Sounds like a good solution, at least better for, for Moses here. And we're going to fast forward here a little bit. I know we haven't gotten to Eldad and Medad yet. They're the main characters here. But first and foremost, something that I want to lay a groundwork to know about Eldad and Medad, what we'll see is that they are a part of these people that Moses gathered together. God says, go and gather these people together. You go gather them. They're elders, people that you know you can trust. And so one thing that I already want us to know about Eldad and Medad, something that qualifies them to do the things that they did, to be who they are, is that somebody greater than them gathered them together. So Moses, he's got a name. He's got some closeness with the Lord. He's got a reputation. And Moses chose to gather these guys together. That's, that's their claim to fame. That's what they have going for them is that Moses has gathered them. And so I know so many people will disqualify themselves whenever I say something like prophesy where you are or go, go and prophesy. Many of us can start to shrink back a little bit. Oh, that's not me. That's somebody else. I'm not, I'm not. Uh, righteous enough for that. I haven't been in church long enough. I don't know enough. I haven't read my whole Bible. I can't do that. It's not about those things that they had going for their name. It's about the fact that Moses gathered them. They were on Moses's list. 
They were on Moses' list. Moses was the one who had the reputation, had the good thing going, and he brought them together. So I want to tell you something tonight, first and foremost, is that if you're here tonight, it's not because your righteousness got you here. Somebody gathered you here. Somebody brought you here. Come on. So my name doesn't make me able to, to preach tonight. Your name doesn't make you able to prophesy or to share something of true value with someone. It's not your name that does that. But I do believe that no one comes to the Lord unless they're drawn by his spirit, unless they've been gathered to him by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's okay if you want to say, I don't have the training. I don't have the experience. I'm not righteous enough. That's fine. You can say that. But I want you to be aware that someone who does have that righteousness has gathered you together. Someone who does have that ability, whose name we can trust in, he's brought you here. He's brought you together for this. And that's, that's what qualifies us ultimately. I need to rewind just a second before we get to Eldad and Medad. So I'm, I've been telling you guys that you need to prophesy where you are prophesy where you are. And we're going to be talking about prophecy here. And so I need to clarify a little bit of what I'm meaning whenever I say prophecy, because that's one of those loaded words, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, At a very basic level, as I was getting into my concordance with this, and I know that there's different levels and meanings here of operating in a gifting, but at a very basic level, prophecy, what's meant here as I was reading it, was to speak or sing under inspiration of divine spirit. To speak or sing under the inspiration of divine spirit. At a very basic level, not doing a whole teaching on prophecy here, but at a very basic level, anything that it ends up looking like is ultimately you or I speaking under the inspiration of God's divine spirit. Saying something that's inspired by him, that's of him, that's that's he's using us, he's speaking through us to the people around us. And of course, that can look like a lot of different things. But ultimately, at a basic level, whenever I am saying that you need to prophesy where you are, ultimately what I'm saying is that you need to speak words or sing, or sing. And I'll say too, you need to live under inspiration of divine spirit. To speak, sing, or live under the inspiration of God's divine Holy Spirit. Because we saw that too in the prophets. Many of the prophets didn't just say the words from God. They'd live it out. God would call them to go do something. Go marry a prostitute as a sign and a picture. Thank God he hasn't called me to that. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. But, but prophecy, it's not just about saying a word or, or singing, but even living, living a life that is divinely inspired. That's inspired by God's divine spirit. Something that's not just our own abilities, our, our own conjuring, but truly God moving and speaking through us. So, so that's what I'm trying to say here. Whenever I tell you or whenever you tell one another to go prophesy where you are, prophesy where you are. That's what I'm saying. Go speak words that are divinely inspired. There's people that you're with. There's people in your life where you work, in your neighborhood, people who need especially in this day and time that we live in, people who need words that are divinely inspired. We got a lot of words in this world that are inspired by all kinds of stuff that's not divine. We got a lot of uninspired words, but God wants us to prophesy. He wants us to speak divinely inspired words, to live divinely inspired lives out in front of people. And again, influence places that I'm not going to, that the person next to you is not going to. 
So it's so important for us to, to prophesy where we are. So just had to back up there for a second to, to clarify what I'm talking about here when I say prophesy where you are. I'm going to uh, skip forward a little bit. This narrative, uh, as the story goes, I told you that the Israelites were complaining a lot. Here in verses 16 and 17, God outlines this plan that we're going to gather the elders together. I'm going to put my spirit on them. We're going to divvy out the the responsibility here. Then he goes on to say that I'm going to give them meat to eat. I'll give them something to eat, these complainy people. But not only that, I'm going to give them meat to eat every day for the rest of this month. By the time they're done with it, they'll be throwing it up. Uh, So... Yeah, things, things don't go well with them whenever they complain. And isn't that the story how it goes sometimes that judgment ends up looking like the very thing we think that we need and we keep asking for and complaining about and God just kind of lets us have it and then we realize this wasn't what we really needed or anyway. So that's, a, that's beside the point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip ahead here to verse 24. Verse 24, Numbers eleven twenty-four. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of his spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. So here we're seeing that the plan that they laid out, they executed. They pulled this together. But enter Eldad and Medad. I've told you that these are the guys we're looking at tonight. So verse 26. Now, two men remained in the camp. Can you guess who it was? Eldad and Medad, yep. So two men remained in the camp. One named Eldad and the other named Medad. And the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. I'm going to stop there for a second. I'm not finishing the verse just yet. So enter these two guys, Eldad and Medad. Their names were on the list. Again, their importance, their claim to fame, the good thing about them is that they were on Moses' list. He gathered them together. But something happened here where they didn't actually go out to the tent of meeting. Like was spoken, they were on the list. They were part of the elders, but something happened. And honestly, it would all be speculation for us to try to guess what happened that they didn't make it. But, you know, did, did they just not get the memo or like were they rounding people up and they weren't home that morning or something and they just weren't able to make it. But for whatever reason, Eldad and Medad missed the memo. They missed, they missed the boat. The, the move of God, God's plan to take the spirit from Moses, put it on everybody else, that, that was happening somewhere else. That was happening at the tent of meeting and they missed out on it. Again, it's all speculation to know why, how, what ended up happening. But I can tell you this, I would imagine that there's some feeling of I missed my chance. I missed the boat. Anybody ever felt like you just missed out on the opportunity? Like you just missed it. The move of God was happening on this side of the room. And here I am over here and I just got to look at somebody, get some touch from the Lord. It's so easy to feel like we've missed out. And I think every single one of us can 
feel that to some extent. I wasn't able to make it to the big ministry conference in Dallas this, this year. I missed it. God, Jubilee, we didn't have it at the event center. So I missed out. We, you know, we just missed something. The move was happening over there. I just missed it. If you're, if you're in the nursing mother's room right now, I'm not in the room. I missed it. Just barely missed it. Amen to the mothers. Come on. There are so many different reasons to believe or to feel to have this feeling like I just missed out, like God was doing something, but now I'm too old. But now I have kids. and I'm going to have to wait until they turn 18 and get out of the house so I can actually start my ministry. Whatever it is, there's so many different reasons, ways that we can feel like we just missed the boat. Like we just missed out or we got we to wait until some later point. Just missed it. So that's what could have been going on for Eldad and Medad here. They, they found themselves in the camp. They weren't there whenever it happened, even though their names were on the list. But now let's finish this verse. Let's finish this verse 26. And so they prophesied in the camp. They were among those registered. They hadn't gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. This stuck out to me so much as I was going through this story recently of Eldad and Medad. They weren't in the place where it was happening. If you watch Hamilton in the room where it happened. They, they weren't there. They, they had just missed out. They, they, they weren't able to see. They weren't in the place, the physical place, but they were on the list. They were on that list. They were part of that chosen people. God's gifts and callings, they were without repentance here. And his word wasn't going to return to him void. This putting his spirit on them was just as much a reality, even though they had just missed out on the place where it was happening. They happened to be in the camp, and so they prophesied in the camp. So that's what I'm telling you is to prophesy where you are. Prophesy in your camp. In your camp, if you feel like you're missing it, if you feel like you missed the ministry training and so you can't be on the prayer team or, or the, the prophetic team, you're, you're not able to be on it or you, you missed out on leading a life group this semester, or whatever it is, prophesy in the camp. Yeah. Prophesy in the camp. Prophesy where you are. Praise God. He, he's gifted you. He's equipped you. He's put his spirit on the inside of you. And that spirit wants to come out. That spirit wants words that are divinely inspired, wants a life that is divinely inspired, wants things to come out of you that are divinely inspired that nobody else has, nobody else can do the way that you do. And God wants you to prophesy in your camp. He wants you to prophesy where you are. Because here's a hunch that I have. Again, we got to fill in the blanks here a little bit. But my hunch, something that I would guess, is that of all the prophesying that went on, again, all these other, I would guess that it's 68 other elders that went to the tent of meeting. Who knows? But as they go there and they prophesy there, it says they prophesied there, but they did not continue doing it. So they go to the tent of meeting, they prophesy, they're done, they come back. I would guess that the prophecy that happened through Eldad and Medad right there in the middle of the camp, I imagine them like checking out at the grocery store or the marketplace, whatever, and they start prophesying, speaking divinely inspired words of God. I imagine that that probably went a lot further for these complaining Israelites 
probably went a lot further than all the other prophecy that was going on at the tent of meeting. Of course, that was good. That was building them up. But they're right there in the middle of it. They're right there with all these complaining Israelites that are saying, we don't like manna. We want to go back to Egypt. And then Eldad and Medad start prophesying right there in the middle of them. How much influence do you think that had? The fact that they were in the camp and they just started prophesying there. That must have gone a long way. That must have really done something. So prophesy in your camp. Prophesy where you're at. And I want to just get, as we continue the story here, a little bit of word of warning. And this goes for pastors. So Pastor Austin, I'll say this. And uh, I feel this sometimes. Uh, but truly anyone, whenever people start prophesying in the camp, it can feel a little bit less comfortable. <laughs> It'll take a little bit of adjustment. It's a little messier that way. It's not as clean cut, not as nice and neat. We don't have it. It's right here. This is where the prophecy happens. Uh, it's, it starts to look a little different. Things start to look a little bit messy sometimes, right? So we got to have some open hearts to this. We got to be ready for God's move to look a little bit different and a little messy sometimes. So uh, let's continue here. Let's learn from Moses. So uh, starting in 27 now, and a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth said, my Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people would pro be prophets. How would they, all, they were all prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. It looked messy. This guy comes up to him. Y'all, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. It's not at the tent of meeting. They're doing it over there at the supermarket. Uh, rebels, exactly. These rebels. And again, just like the rebels that they are, Joshua, son of Nun, Assistant to Moses, we got to put a stop to this, Moses. And I think in the back of Moses' mind, surely there's this conversation he was just having with God. Kill me now if these people keep complaining. <laughs> and he says, are you jealous for my sake? People are prophesying instead of complaining? Yes, more, do that. Great, continue. As you were, get over it, come on. Moses is like complaining, prophesying, complaining, prophesying. Yeah, we'll go with that one. He says, don't be jealous on my account. I would that all God's people would be prophets, that they would all speak these divinely inspired words of God, that they would all be just dripping with the goodness of God as they're living their lives, and that the Spirit's just speaking through them and to them and using them in powerful ways. That's good. Even if it doesn't look exactly like we planned it. Even if it doesn't look all nice and neat and put together. Thank God for structure. Thank God for authority and how we, I believe that we're able to empower more people in more ways through the structure that we have. But at the same time, we have to be open to God's move, to his spirit using us in ways that aren't exactly like we planned it. And to have open and humble hearts like Moses, the most humble man to walk the earth at that time, to, to have humble hearts to say, I'm not going to take any offense at someone prophesying in the camp. I would that all God's people would be prophets, that they would all prophesy. So much better than complaining. 
And Moses, what he's, what he's saying here would be echoed later in the prophets. The prophet Joel would say that a day was going to come that God's spirit would be poured out onto all flesh. That sons and daughters would prophesy. That people would be dreaming dreams and seeing visions. And that God would be using his people to prophesy all over the place on all flesh that that would happen. Moses, that's a Moses dream come true. That's what he was looking for. And even that prophecy comes to fulfillment in Christ, in Jesus. Because we see in the book of Acts that that's exactly what happened. That, that his spirit got poured out onto all flesh. That's you. That's me. We, gotta, we need to be prophesying in our camps. We've got to be prophesying where we are. And of course, bring your gifts to the church. Of course, see, here's where this needs to be. Here's the caveat. So some people would take this to an extreme and, you know, you've met people with a prophetic binting or I don't know why I put air quotes around it. Okay, don't hold that against me. But, okay, treading lightly, treading lightly. (laughs) But, you know, some people uh, really are like, well, God's gifted me in this very specific way. And, well, Pastor Austin doesn't. He's not used in this way, and so I'm just going to take my talents to another church. I'm going to take them somewhere else, or maybe not to another church. Maybe just out in the street and, you know, on my own, whatever. Again, prophesying the camp. That's great. We're for that. But God sees the heart at the same time. For further reading, I would encourage you to go read the first bit of uh, Numbers chapter 12. So... If you know math, it's right after Numbers chapter 11. So, <laughs> yes. So it's like the story is continuing here. And again, Moses, he's, he's open-handed. He's open-hearted. He says, I would that all people would prophesy. Well, in this very next chapter, some two pretty high-up officials named Aaron and Miriam, people who are trusted, who are close to Moses, they get this idea. They, they got some offense at Moses, and they say, well, Moses isn't the only one who can prophesy. Well, I can too. I can get be used like this. And they start to really try to stir up division and discord. And so it's not just prophesying in the camp, but there's an issue of the heart of rebellion and a, a, against God-given authority. And read chapter 12. It, it doesn't turn out well for, for them. It, it doesn't, it's not great. So, so that's kind of the, the thing we need to come back to. Yes, let's prophesy in the camp. Let's go and speak God's word where we are. Let's live it out in our lives, even whenever it looks messy. And yes, it's up to leaders of the church to really be open that, to, to empower that and to speak life into that. But it's up to each and every one of us to remain humble and submitted before God and submitted before authority. But each and every one of us, I'll say it again, this is the message. Each and every one of us, we've got God's spirit on the inside of us. And we can't afford, this world can't afford for people who are pregnant, ready to just burst with God's spirit, not actually pouring that out on the people around them. People who have words to share. People, you have a divinely inspired word, whether you know it or not. God's, God's got some inspiration inside of you that he can use you to speak. And so I would just encourage you, try. Try it. 
And where, again, how do I do it? Where do I do it? Prophesy where you are. Wherever your job is, oh, I missed the boat. I missed out because I'm not working in full-time ministry. Now, wherever you are, that's your camp. Prophesy in your camp. I've got young kids. Prophesy in your camp. Prophesy over those kids. Whatever it is, be faithful to it, and God's going to use you. He's got divinely inspired words, a divinely inspired life that he wants you to live, and he's equipped you to do it. So let's just prophesy in the camp. Let's prophesy where we are. Amen. And here's the special thing of it. I'm going to come back to this simple fact again with Eldad and Medad that they were on a list. They weren't special in and of themselves, but they were gathered by this guy Moses who saw them equipped and able and he said, yeah, you're going to be on the list. I'm going to gather you. And that, if we have this work of bringing God's divinely inspired word to the world around us in our camp, let's not get into some puffed up, messed up way of seeing things that we have something truly special to offer just on our own. What you have to offer that is powerful, that is divinely inspired, that is God-breathed is simply because you have been gathered to him. So we tonight, like other Wednesday evenings, we're gonna come to the table of the Lord. And that's this ever-present reminder, a constant reminder that what spirit you have to give, what prophecy you can prophesy, it's all because you've been gathered into this one person, Jesus Christ, who gathered you and I together in our messed upness, in our failures, in our faults, in our own baggage. He called you and I together into one family in his body. And that's what gives us the ability to have anything to offer, to have anything to prophesy. It's from him, it's by him, it's for him. It all goes back to him. And so much as I want to stir everyone to action, go prophesy in the camp. Absolutely, that's, that's the word. That's what I shared. But just as much as I want to say, go prophesy in the camp, we go prophesy in the camp first and foremost by coming simply to Jesus. Jesus.